Hello, thanks for watching this sermon from Cedar Springs Church. We know life is busy and it's easy to get caught up running in so many directions. At Cedar Springs, we see you and we're with you. We also understand the feeling inside of you for something deeper. In fact, we believe God created us for those deeper things and we want to help you discover them. We want to introduce you to a life lived deeply with God and with others. If you're not already, we invite you to visit us during one of our Sunday worship services. We are all working toward taking our next step to move into deeper faith and community. So come, take your next step with us. We don't want you to settle for life as normal because you were made to live deeply. Well, good morning. It is uh, a joy to be with you. My name is Jonathan Bromhead, and I'm the pastor of families and students here at Cedar Springs. And uh, looking forward to opening God's word with you this morning. As we continue our series on the Apostles' Creed, we come to the statement uh, of belief in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. And uh, that's all that the Creed gives us, and that's uh, a large statement. And so we will not be able to touch on all the points of belief uh, in the Holy Spirit this morning. Um, and we're grateful for creeds that lead us there and also hymns and songs and, and the scripture. We could work our way through our belief in the Holy Spirit from beginning to the end. This morning, though, we, I want us to focus on two verses primarily uh, from the book of Ephesians. And uh, we'll be in Ephesians 1, verses 13 through 14, if you would like to join me there and turn as we open God's word and read it together. So this is Ephesians 1, uh, 13 through 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we do give you thanks for your word, the, that it's powerful, uh, that it can pierce our souls and our hearts and our minds. We thank you for your spirit's work in our lives and even in these moments that we spend together around your word this morning. Father, we thank you that you love us, that you have uh, planned and executed your plan to give us your spirit and how your spirit points us to your son, Jesus, and all that he has done for us. We are grateful, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in our passage, we see two components of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Uh, the first one is that he is our seal. He is our seal. Uh, and he, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. The second one is that he is our guarantee. So those are two points for this morning. Uh, we will work our way through both, but we will begin with the seal. And we are going to first ask, what does it mean when the Apostle Paul says, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit? Well, the Apostle Paul describes the Spirit in, in other places within Scripture. Uh, 
Alan, Pastor Alan just read one for us. That's uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 21 through 22. And uh, again, I'll just read it. It says, and it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also uh, put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. The Apostle Paul also says this in Ephesians 4.30 when he says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So when the Apostle Paul says this, he is drawing on a cultural reality that had a lot of meaning in that day. To put your seal on something meant that you were marking it off as the owner of it. It, you, it was a mark of ownership. And it, was, uh, um, it had meaning that you were committed to this possession, uh, that you would guard it, that you would protect it. You were placing your seal on it. And so the Holy Spirit is the seal placed on us as believers in Jesus Christ. In other words, when we place our faith and trust in Jesus, we no longer belong to ourselves. We now belong to God. And the Heidelberg Catechism, if you're familiar with it at all, describes this well in the first question and answer of that catechism when it says, what is your only comfort in life and death? And the answer is, we are not our own, but we belong body and soul to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that brings some comfort to you this morning. I hope that this passage does, as well as our time in the Word that you will find comfort that you do not belong to yourself any longer, but you belong to God. The way that Paul describes this in Ephesians 1 is he uses the phrase, in him. You have placed your faith in him. You've believed in him. And if you were to read the first 14 verses of Ephesians, you would see that Paul uses this phrase 10 times, that we are in Christ. We are in him. That is how Paul is describing that we belong to God, as well as the seal of the Spirit, marking us off as belonging to God. Now, as I thought about this concept in our world today, one of the most obvious examples of this is our own families. When we are born into a family, we're given uh, our last name. We're given a last name that marks us off within that family. And so when we had each one of our four children, they got a first name, a middle name, and then also the last name Bromhead, whether they wanted that name or not, they got the name Bromhead. And uh, it's a unique name. We also see how we are marked off through personalities and features. We may look like one another. Uh, we may begin to have the same mannerisms and tendencies and so forth. The longer that you're in a family, the more you look like you belong, hopefully. Um, and they don't ask the question, do I belong, am I a Bromhead? Do I belong in this family? I hope they're not asking that question. Or looking for another family. The more they're in the family, the more they're assimilated in. Well, there's many benefits uh, of the Holy Spirit's presence in your life as one who believes in Jesus. One is that you sense God's presence in your life. You begin to sense his presence. You also receive an assurance of his love for you. Other religions, aside from Christianity, cannot deliver on this. There's no assurance. There's only a, a list of rules and uh, regulations and laws that one must obey in order to stay in and to progress their way through 
the, this religion. This is not the way with Christianity. Through this seal, you, are, you receive an assurance of forgiveness of your sins. And this happens through the hearing of the word of truth, the gospel of salvation is the way Paul describes it in verse 13. When you hear the gospel of your salvation, you come to faith in Christ and you receive an assurance of forgiveness for your sins. And so what is this gospel of salvation? Well, this gospel is the good news of salvation in Christ that you were dead in your sins and trespasses and that you were in need of forgiveness from God. And now you have redemption through the blood of Christ for the forgiveness of your trespasses according to the riches of his grace. I've taken that just from Ephesians 1 a little bit earlier. And these, uh, Jesus' blood was poured out on the cross and three days later he rose again from the, the grave and through his resurrection over victory, over sin and death. And so this is the gospel of your salvation. This is the message that you must know and know well and accept and place your faith and trust in. And so through the presence of the Holy Spirit, you are granted faith. The seal of the Holy Spirit opens your eyes to what Christ has done on your behalf. Another thing that the Holy Spirit does uh, through his presence in your life is he takes all these doctrines of our faith, these great doctrines of justification by faith alone and being adopted in Christ, and he makes them real to your heart. He wakes your soul up to them and makes them real to you. They become more than just words on a page, more than just doctrinal statements. He wakes your soul up to these great truths. And this is a necessary step in your relationship with God, where the doctrine becomes more than mere knowledge. Jonathan Edwards, who was a pastor and theologian in the 1700s, he described this change as the difference between knowing what honey tastes like or knowing that honey is sweet versus actually tasting the honey. So it would be like me right here, right now, trying to describe to you the taste of honey and how sweet it is, that it's one of the sweetest things on earth, and that if your tongue would just taste just a droplet of it, your sensations, your taste buds would wake up to the sweetness, and you would then have your throat coated with it as it, as it went down, and I'll stop there. The difference between that and then actually getting your first taste of honey. That's how different it is. Um, I know you all want some honey now. I do. Especially preaching three times. Um, I remember in seminary, though, we, I was taking a class and um, our teacher was trying to move us in this direction. And so one of the first class periods, he asked the whole class, he asked this question. He said, when in your life did Jesus become more than a word to you? When did you experience the presence of Jesus in your life? Now, as a pastor's kid, this was a great question for me because I had heard Jesus' name all the time, every week, every week in church and at, at home. And so I sat there trying to think about when was that time? When did that occur for me? Well, it occurred for me when I was in middle school. I was on a middle school retreat uh, with a bunch of other middle schoolers. And there was a speaker there and he was preaching the gospel of my salvation. 
And it became very clear to me that I was in need of God's forgiveness, that I was a sinner, and that I needed to throw myself upon Jesus's grace and place my faith and trust in him. And the Holy Spirit was waking my heart up to God's grace. And I did. I, I put my faith and trust in Jesus that night on that retreat and, and, and moved forward with God. Now, there was another student in the class. I'll never forget him. His name was Alan. We were getting towards the end of us sharing. He stands up and he, he begins to share that Jesus became more than a word for him when he was in his home country of Rwanda and he was running from men who were attempting to take his life. This was during their civil war. And they, these same men had just killed five of his brothers and he was running and running and he was so thirsty. He was in need of something to drink. And he cried out to God and God provided some water for him to drink. And Jesus became more than a word for him. Jesus came to his rescue and the entire class after Alan was finished sharing was completely silent. And I was sitting there in the front row giving thanks that I didn't have to share after Alan and that I had already shared. I was very grateful for Alan and was able to get to know him further in my time in seminary. But have you experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life? Have you been sealed by the Holy Spirit? Do you long for this measure of assurance and security and peace with God? And I love the language that Paul uses here. He says, this is the promised Holy Spirit. And when God makes a promise, he fulfills his promises 100% of the time. Sometimes it takes a while for him to fulfill them, which grows our faith. But God had always promised to insert his Holy Spirit into the lives of his people. We heard this read in Ezekiel 36, where he says, my spirit will dwell in my people. We also hear this from Jesus when he was on earth in John 14, 16 through 17. He said, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Acts 2, 20, uh, Acts 2, 38, Peter is preaching at Pentecost, and he says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This was a promise to God's people. Those who were the ones who were first to hope in Christ, as Paul says in verse 12, they were the first ones, the Israelites were the first ones to hope in Christ, to hope for the Messiah. And yet now the Gentiles are also being uh, the ones welcomed in, those who were separated from God. They are also receiving the spirit within their lives. And this is what the apostle Paul longed for. This was his mission. His mission was to go to the Gentiles and to share the gospel and to see the Holy Spirit fall upon them. And he's getting to see that as he's writing these words. So the seal is never broken, it's never removed, it's never taken away. 
Instead, it, it points forward. And that's our second point in that the Holy Spirit is not only our seal, but is also our guarantee of our inheritance. And that points us forward. The Spirit is our guarantee. He's our deposit. He's our earnest, as one translation puts it. And we all appreciate uh, a good guarantee, right? We all appreciate one guarantee that, that will guarantee our satisfaction, perhaps even guarantee our money back if we're not satisfied, right? And, and we all look for those and appreciate them. One of the best guarantees I've been made aware of here on this earth uh, came from a retailer named Eddie Bauer, right? And they used to have this lifetime guarantee. Pretty sure it existed. And I uh, had to do some research this week to make sure there was such a thing, because there is no more such of a thing. And it didn't, it didn't have to depend on whether their merchandise was defected or, or anything. It was just like, if you were unsatisfied, you could bring it back during your lifetime. And I know this is true because I had a college roommate who tested this guarantee. He had a pair of Eddie Bauer jeans and I think it was his only pair of jeans, maybe his only pair of pants. And as I roomed with him in college, he wore these pants every day, the whole year. And then we went to Eddie Bauer to test this guarantee. And he returned them and they gave him his money back. It was like a glorified rental. He just <laughs> brought them back and they gave him his money. Now, I'm not condoning this type of behavior. You can't do it any longer. It's only for a year now, I believe. What I want us to think about, what I want us to consider, though, is this guarantee that we receive from the Holy Spirit that is for this lifetime and forever. It is a guarantee that will never fade. And a guarantee that we will receive our full inheritance with the Lord, that we will be in glory with our Savior one day, and we will be there for all of eternity. And so this begins to change us as we live life with the Spirit here in our days. The presence of the Spirit begins to grant great anticipation and longing for our inheritance. We all uh, long for this because we are given small glimpses of what it will look like today. All right, this happens most nights when I am grilling some meat for dinner and our kids are very hungry. They, they start, you know, circling the grill. They want a sample. They come up and that's the only word they say, sample. And hopefully the sample's ready. I'll cut off a little piece, put it in their mouths. Their mouths are watering and they're ready and looking forward to dinner, the spirit as a deposit gives us a foretaste of what it will be like when we receive our full inheritance. One of the authors that I believe does this the best is C.S. Lewis in his Narnia series. He writes in a way that creates a longing within you for the new heavens and the new earth. And so what I did recently is I took the last book in that series and I read that one first. Okay, I highly recommend it. Does anyone like to read the ending first? It's, it's good. So I did that and what it actually made me do was want to go back and read through the entire series. So in the end of the series, the last battle, in the end of that book, if you go and read it, go and read it, 
it's worth it. There's a unicorn, and the unicorn is in the new Narnia. And the unicorn is, is finding such joy there. He, he begins to say these words. He says, I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I've been looking for all my life, though I never knew it until now. The reason why we love the old Narnia is that it sometimes looked a little like this. Unicorn sound. Come further up. Come further in. I was going to attempt it this service. But this is fantasy, so imagine it in your own heads. Bree. I don't know. Who knows what a unicorn sounds like? Come up, further up, come further in. He shook his mane and sprang forward into a great gallop. A unicorn's gallop, which in our world would have carried him out of sight in a few moments. But now a most strange thing happened. Everyone else began to run, and they found to their astonishment they could keep up with him. Faster and faster they raced, but no one got hot or tired or out of breath. What a beautiful picture this is. And I recently asked all my boys this, that question. Would you want to be able to run as fast as you can and never get out of breath and never get tired and run as far as you want and run as fast as a horse? Well, you know their answer. They said, of course. And so we like to give them glimpses of what is to come. And the Spirit prepares us for our inheritance. And because of the Spirit's work in our lives, we begin to experience greater levels of joy and anticipation of our inheritance to come. And we can foster this ourselves a bit if we spend time in prayer and in Bible study and among those who are also looking forward and longing for this day. We're also changed by the Spirit as we live life with him because we are found to be waiting. Because we live in a day and, a, and in a life where we still, when we run, we get tired and we wear out and we cannot run without getting hot and this happens more and more as we age. We, we still experience disappointment and sorrow and suffering, and we're confronted with the brokenness and the sinfulness of this world. And the Spirit grants perseverance and hope. And interestingly enough, it just may be in these times of waiting, in perhaps a season of prolonged suffering where your glimpse of your inheritance becomes the most clear and is given to you in the most clear way by the Spirit because you are longing for the day when there will be no more pain and no more tears. And it's in these moments or seasons of life that the Spirit will bring to remembrance all that Christ has done for you on the cross and in his resurrection. Lastly, as you wait for your inheritance of eternal life, this spirit continues to shape you and change you and to sanctify you because you are no longer a slave to your sin. You have placed your faith in Christ and now the spirit is at work in your body to defeat sin and to kill sin and to root it out and to shape you more and more into the likeness of Christ. 
And so we see this in increasing measure as well as the fruit of the spirit grows within you as your sin is put to death and you grow in increasing measure in the fruit of the spirit and you begin to see more love and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control in increasing measure as you wait for that day. And the Spirit also works within you to give you gifts so that you may serve the church and serve others in a way that you would not be able to without the Spirit's presence in your life. So you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. You're guaranteed of your inheritance. And this changes your life. And you may then begin to ask the question, why is God so good to us? Why is he so good to us who were sinners in need of his grace? And I think one of the reasons he's so good to us comes through a little bit of a different translation of verse 14. As I studied this text over time, I I saw that many other translations translated verse 14 a little differently, and I want to read one for you. It says this, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. That's verse 13. 14 goes on, who is, a de- who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. So we see the focus being on God's redemption, God being the redeemer of his people. And that's how the New Testament describes redemption. It's always an act of God. And what is he redeeming? He's redeeming his possession, who are his people. And so we see God's great love for us as we are called his possession, as we are made his own, as we are his children. And this is how God's people have always been described in his word, even in the Old Testament. And he has made you his own because he loves you. The second reason God does all this is what Paul states here at the end, to the praise of his glory, to the praise of his glory. This is why he seals you with the spirit and why he guarantees your inheritance so that you will be drawn to worship God. You have tasted the honey. You have experienced Christ's presence in your life and you long not to just worship him this morning and next week and next month, But for the rest of eternity, you long to bring God worship and to bring him glory. So have you experienced this presence of the Holy Spirit? Are you sensing and seeing the presence of the Spirit in your life today? Are you longing to see Jesus face to face and to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant? Are you seeing the fruit of the Spirit well up within you and increase your joy and even your joy during pain and sorrow, knowing one day that you will possess your full inheritance as a child of God because you are in Christ, belonging to him body and soul for all of eternity? Let's pray. Father, we do give you thanks for your great work of redemption in our lives. We thank you that in your wisdom and in your plan, you were gracious and loving to give us your spirit to live within us. And we thank you for all the blessings and benefits 
that we enjoy because of that and that your spirit will continue to point us back to your son Jesus and all he said and did for us while he was here on this earth until one day we are face to face with our Savior, receiving our full inheritance, experiencing an eternity of joy with you. We thank you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.